okay? Don't <laughs> ruin the dream for me, Sean. <laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans. We're three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State, share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Fierce bandits, Texas Rangers, an ambush on the wrong side of the border, and a beloved captain slain. Today we look at another true tale of the Texas Rangers, the ambush at Trace Chicalis. But first... Who was your favorite actor from Texas Rising? Well, I'm going to say dibs and jump in here first before anybody else can say it. It's got to be Bill Paxton. Game over, man. <laughs> Game over. The late Bill Paxton. What a great guy. Uh, well, I, I'm going to go with uh, one of my favorite crazy, insane actors, uh, and that's Crispin Glover, uh, who played Houston, uh, anti-Houstonite Mosley Baker. Or alternately, the truly bizarre performance in this movie, this series by the great Ray Liotta, uh, who I'm enjoying today on these anti-smoking ads. But uh, he is really bizarre in this show, on top of a bizarre show anyway. Yeah, I definitely would have chosen Bill Paxton as my first choice. But since Mike chose him first, um, I'm going to say Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who played Deep Smith. Um, I think he did a great job with that and uh yeah second favorite for me yeah and you can go back and listen to any of our five episodes on texas rising <laughs> from season two, two. of mm-hmm. come and take it go back and listen to them there Re- relive it relive the pain that we experienced oh to deliver this to you The 1890s are usually looked at as the end of the Old West wild frontier period in American history. The last of the Indian Wars were fought, the territories were mostly settled, and the railroad went everywhere. Many of the outlaws were dead or retired. But the Texas border with Mexico was still a wild and lawless place, and and criminal gangs still did constant battle with the forces of the law. It was in this lawless land that the Texas Rangers were the ultimate authority in the state. The Frontier Battalion still ruled the border areas, enforcing justice and bringing peace, often rough and fiercely, and the toughest, baddest rangers of all were the legendary Company D. But in 1893, they ran across a gang of bandits that were willing to take on the toughest of the tough, no matter what the cost. The Center for Criminal Activity in the area around El Paso was a place known as Pirate Island, which is a 15,000-acre islet in the Rio Grande, just south of Juarez. That's not there anymore, since the river has uh, radically changed since then. According to the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which ended the Mexican-American War, and the International Boundary Commission, the island at the time was part of Texas, but its proximity to the border meant that it was a very difficult place to police because... Criminals could easily cross the river and escape into Mexico. The outlaws who made Pirate Island their hideout were known as the Bosque Gang, since the island was entirely forested, and Bosque is the Spanish word for forest. The leader of the gang was Jesus Maria Oguin, who became a bandit with his three sons, Severio, Sebastian, and Prisciliano. And when they became bandits, when one of their relatives were killed by Texas Rangers during the San Elizaro Salt War of the 1870s. The Salt War was a bloody political conflict between border Mexicans and Tejanos against Anglo politicians in the El Paso area, and the Texas Rangers came in to settle it and had a quite a brutal reputation for doing so. Hmm. Salt. 
Salt. In the years under Ogwin's leadership, the gang grew in power, prominence, and daring. By 1893, the Bosque gang had become well-known for stealing cattle and horses and then smuggling them across the border into Mexico. They were also strong in manpower. According to Sergeant John Hughes, who served in Company D under Captain Frank Jones, quote, As the gang grew stronger and stronger, they laughed the gringos to scorn. Company D was assigned the task of clearing them out in order to protect Texan citizens in far west Texas. His company was undermanned, however, especially when it was thought that Olguin's gang had dozens of men. Jones requested additional rangers, but was denied. In June of 1893, El Paso County officials issued a warrant for the arrest of Jesus Maria Severio Ogin for horse and cattle stealing and assault with the intent to commit murder. Captain Jones formed a detachment to serve the warrants, consisting of himself, El Paso Deputy Robert Edwards Bryant, and four other Texas Rangers, Corporal Carl Kirchner, Privates T.F. Tucker, J.W. Wood Saunders, and Edwin Dunlap Atten, who was legendary Texas Ranger, Ira Atten's younger brother. Among them was a young Mexican man known only as Luan, who was with the lawmen to search for some of his stolen horses. Sergeant Hughes remained in El Paso with the remaining six Rangers to patrol and seek out other bandits. On June 30, 1893, Captain Jones and his detachment left El Paso and headed southeast along the Rio Grande towards Pirate Island. After searching several houses in the area, they were on their way back to El Paso when they spotted two Mexican men on horseback coming down the road towards them. As soon as the Mexicans saw the Rangers, they turned their horses around and began galloping back down the road towards the village of Jacalis, which is about El, which is about eight miles south of El Paso on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande. And this is important later. The Rangers gave chase, and they came within about a half a mile of the Mexicans. Private Saunders and Corporal Kirchner demanded the Mexicans surrender, and we were answered with a volley of gunfire that came from a small hut, or Chicali, along the road and from the surrounding brush. One bullet from the first volley hit Captain Jones in the thigh, knocking him off his horse, and a second hit the magazine of Kirchner's Winchester rifle. The Texans immediately began returning fire, forcing Mexicans in the brush to seek refuge inside the hut. There were at least five attackers, according to the Texan accounts. Some were gang members, but others may have just been residents of the town who had sympathy for the outlaws. More combatants may also have shown up as time went on. There was a lot of resentment from the local population at how the Rangers and the Texans in general treated Mexican and Tejanos, Mexicans and Tejanos at the time and there were still grudges from the San Elizaro conflict. The fighting lasted nearly an hour, and during the fighting, Private Tucker attempted to rescue the captain, who was still shooting from the ground. Jones ordered Tucker away and told him to save himself. Just then, Jones was riddled with bullets and killed. With Jones's death, Lewin went to Corporal Kirchner, who was now in command, and told him that they were actually in Mexico. Lewin urged the Rangers to leave now because the villagers had sent word to the Mexican army who probably didn't look too kindly on the Texas Rangers having a gunfight on Mexican soil. Kirchner's men were unwilling to leave the captain's body behind and continued to fight for another 45 minutes. They finally realized that if the Mexicans were able to flank them and surround them, they would all be killed, to say, no, nothing, to say nothing about what would happen if the Mexican cavalry showed up. Accordingly, the Texans fought their way back across the Rio Grande and made it to the small town of Clint and later to San Elizaro, 
where they sent word to El Paso Sheriff Frank B. Simmons of what happened. Fearing that a war had just been started, over 100 police officers and citizen volunteers, as well as the other six rangers, hastened to San Elizaro. Fortunately, no invasion from Mexico came, and the volunteers returned home. Captain Jones was the only casualty on the Texan side, but allegedly Jesus Maria and Severio Ogun were both wounded in the fight. Of course, the Rangers had created a significant international incident with their actions, and local politicians had to work overtime to smooth things over. Of paramount concern to the Rangers was that their captain's body was still in Mexico. Sheriff Simmons crossed the border to Juarez, Mexico, and requested the return of Captain Jones's body. Mexican authorities initially refused and filed a diplomatic protest with the American consulate. However, Simmons persisted and ultimately convinced the local jefe, or political boss, Rafael Garcia Martinez, to return Jones's body a few days later. Jones was buried at San Elizaro on his father-in-law's ranch, but was moved to Isleta some years later. Texas newspapers wrote about him. Captain Jones was 36 years old, they said. The handsomest man in all the Trans-Pecos region, an officer unsurpassed in his line, bold and fearless as a lion, and worshipped by his ranger boys. Despite the hard feelings, politicians on both sides of the border understood that the situation with the Bosque gang could not continue, as their presence would just lead to more fighting. A posse under Sheriff Simmons, combined with Mexican Army soldiers, succeeded in capturing a few of the outlaws near Pirate Island a day or two after the shootout, including Jesus Maria and Severio Olguin. All were put into the jail at Cuidad Juarez, but Mexican President Porfirio Diaz was angered by the Americans' violation of Mexico's sovereignty. He refused to have the outlaws extradited to the United States, and the outlaws were never prosecuted. Not long afterwards, they were released from jail. The release of the outlaws infuriated the people of Texas, especially the Texas Rangers, and bloody revenge is what they sought. It would be the work of now Texas Ranger Captain John R. Hughes in Company D to find those who'd killed his beloved leader and impose their own brand of justice on the Ogun gang. But that's a story for another day. A man. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this specific incident uh, when we covered the Texas Rangers originally. I know we touched on how the tactics of the Rangers um, in the, the late 1800s could be pretty brutal. But uh, I don't remember if we discussed this specific incident. I think we mentioned in, or discussed that the the border with Mexico was more looked upon as a suggestion rather yeah. than <laughs> an actual yeah. thing for the yeah. Rangers. Es- like they especially were gonna in those days, yeah. yeah, they were they were going to pursue their man and they were going to get him and or the you know their their the, the outlaw or the Indians. Uh, you know, they didn't, it wasn't like the Duke boys and they could jump across the border into the next state and the sheriff had to turn back. The Rangers were probably going to follow you. Uh, so this is a, this is a, it's a pretty well known story in the Texas Ranger legend. Um, uh, and that what comes next, which we'll talk about next week, uh, is, uh, with uh, Captain Je- with Captain Hughes uh, is going to be you know really establishes the the Company D and the Frontier Battalion as 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 a big part of that that legend of just how how tough and rough the the Rangers are how you know how how 
how they they will always get their man. So in this case, it was a situation where they they were they kind of they were outnumbered. Jones knew he was outnumbered immediately uh, as soon as they got to El Paso, and uh, you know he asked for more men, and uh, they were you know they went to 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 serve their warrant and uh, just b- stumbled into something way worse than they thought it was going to be. First of all, I think it's awesome that there's a place called Pirate Island somewhere in Texas. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically in Mexico, but it's... So, no, no, actually, it, it's still in Texas. It's, is it's it actually part in of, Texas uh, still? Yeah, it's near San Elizaro and near Clint. It's called the... Uh, it's now called the Bosque... Uh, the Rio Bosque Park. Uh, and it's a oh, cool. wooded area just on the just on the northeast side of the Rio Grande, south of El Paso. Oh, okay. Uh, but I don't... But I don't think it's all been filled in. If you if you see the river now, it's the river up in up in El Paso is really, it's like more like a big drainage ditch than anything. It's not it's not like a rushing river. I know, but all. I just like picture like I'm just let me picture it, okay? Don't ruin <laughs> the dream for me, Sean. <laughs> no, I just think it's it's cool. It's like oh, there was this place called Pirate Island, and it was this big, yeah. you know. Yes, it was where uh, it was Galveston, where Sean Lafitte had his headquarters. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sure that, that's where it got its name. Too. That's the I mean, other pirate island. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a wooded. It was a wooded. You know, people think, "Oh, that's the desert out there." Well, it was actually, you know, a, you know, a river, a riverbed, river area, and there was lots of woods, and that was there was a big, big forest there where they the pirates could hide out and slip across the, you know, the pirates, the banditos. Well, anybody who thinks they can take on the Texas Rangers and actually do a fair job of it is pretty tough. So it sounds like this was sort of one of those. Um, you know, when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object kind of situations. I have to say, though, for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes worth of fighting, um, you know, when you've got only three people wounded, <laughs> there's not some very good shooting going on. There's probably a lot of shooting, shooting over the over the rocks and over the over the walls of this of the of the Jakali more than anything else. But. I mean, it was a it was a pretty fierce fight. It's just amazing that the only one, the only ranger that was hurt was was Jones. Exactly, exactly. I know it's that within one of those crazy stories of the Texas Rangers. And that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I am Scotticus. If you love the show, if you love Texas and the Texas Rangers, then do us a favor and tell your friends about what we're doing. And go leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially please visit patreon.com slash Texas podcast where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs> <laughs>